It is Freestyle Phone Time. Time to call me, 800-920-1580. If you heard something you like or something you don't like over the past few shows, uh, definitely give me a call, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. And if you haven't done so so far, it's not just Taste of Soul that has an app. KBLA Talk 1580 has an app. And you just do that. Type in KBLA and then 1580 and boom, uh, you can get us on your phone for free. Listen to the podcasts. Any shows you may have missed are there. The conversation we had with Conscious Lee on Tuesday was fire. You can find it on our app. Uh, The conversation we had with Camilla Moore, chair of the Reparations uh, Task Force for the state of California was amazing and full of information. In fact, the reparation conversation is going on right here. And all of those podcasts of Rashid Littlejohn uh, um, and Kichi Taifa, um, all of those can be found on our app or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, we still don't have a speaker of the house, um, as far as I know, unless they've gotten one in the last few minutes. Um and that means that we uh, it, we don't have a functioning Congress at the moment. I mean, basically, um, Jordan, uh, Jim Jordan, the extremist, um, insurrectionist, coup attempter uh, candidate has lost. And he says he's going to keep at it. I guess he's trying to follow in Kevin McCarthy's footsteps. It took McCarthy 15 tries to become speaker. We're, we're going to be on try number three um, next for Jordan. But the thing is, his numbers are going down instead of up. And I guess because of the partisan politics of Washington, we cannot get Speaker Hakeem Jeffries, even though every vote he's had the most, he's had the most um, votes, every single tally. Uh, well, it's just two so far, but he's short about eight that he would need to actually, uh, maybe a little less than eight. I think he had 212 last time to Jordan's 199. But you have to have half of the amount of people, uh, half plus one vote of the amount of people that vote. So it was 433, I think, in the last tally. So he would have to have it like um, at least, I think it's 417 or 418 to win, 217 or 218 to win. He's at 212. I don't know where he could find five Republicans that would switch over. Um, Probably not possible. But I think I love the fact that this um, well-prepared black man is winning every time. I love, love, love that. Even though he doesn't technically win, he still has the most, most votes. I like looking at the leaderboard and seeing that. Um, So I guess we're going to see what happens. I don't, you know, they're talking about maybe empowering the speaker pro tem. I don't see that happening. Um, I guess a candidate would have to emerge that everyone could agree on. I don't see that happening. Everyone's, most of the other people have one or two or, you know, five votes. Um, so we are at a standstill at the moment. And it's not so terrible. It is terrible. It's not so terrible right now, but it's going to get a lot more problematic if this thing drags on. Really interesting um, article in the New York Times yesterday about American household wealth. 
And as they're looking and reflecting on what actually happened during the coronavirus, sort of the most hardcore period of the coronavirus um, pandemic, American household wealth actually increased. And it's weird because so many people lost their jobs and people were struggling to stay housed and everything else. But apparently because the job market was strong and home prices went up, stock prices went up um, at record rates, it increased the net worth, the wealth of Americans, along with the stimulus, of course, um, that... American families actually saw the biggest jump in their wealth on record between 2019 and 2022. That is a story that I hadn't heard, hadn't seen that data. In fact, I would have thought just the opposite. And usually when I hear this kind of um, statistic, I think, okay, that's not going to hold for black people. That's going to be just the general market. It's not going to hold for black people. What's really bizarre about this data, um, which is coming from the feds, from their survey of consumer finances, is that black people actually benefited more than others in terms of their net gains in wealth. Um, This federal report is considered, you know, the top of the top when it comes to data about um, wealth and income for Americans. And this is the first time this report has come out since we started this COVID period in 2019. The job market has been booming. Unemployment has been low. Um, So when we look at the big picture, we've seen financial progress. What's also weird about this data is that it seems to have helped the very, very low income end of the spectrum in black people, and then the very rich, the middle class, not so much. Um, The income rose across all of the groups, all economic groups between 2019 and 2022. But the biggest gains were at the top. And that's not new. We know that we know that the very rich, the billionaires profited during coronavirus, whether it's Jeff Bezos, because we all started shopping online instead of going to stores, or whether it was uh, people that were able to make these massive investments, um, people who had holdings, you know, in the pharmaceuticals or whatever it might have been, that the top, 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 uh, 1% or one-tenth of 1% made goo gobs of money during the pandemic. But what what I hadn't seen was that folks at the bottom um, did a little better here and that, um, and that African Americans actually saw some gains here. People in the bottom corner of income had a net worth of $3,500 in 2022, which is very low, but it's up 400 bucks from 2019, which is almost 10%. Um, People in the top 10%, they're they're worth climbed up to 3.79 million up from 3 million. So they they saw um, almost a 25% rise in their income. So we can see that it's, it's much, much stronger for people at the top. But even people in other places, uh, black families' median net worth, 
net, net worth, meaning half the people make more and half the people make less, rose 60%. That's a huge jump. 60%, it was bigger than the increase for white families, which was at 31, bigger than the increase for Latino families, which was at 47. Well, you could say it's because we started lower, and that's true. But in terms of the amount of the percentage amount of increase, black families actually saw massive gains during the years of the coronavirus. What does it mean? What do you think it means? Where do we go from here? Um, of course, that, that data is a little bit dated because it's you know reflecting those 21, 22, 20, 21, 22 years. But it shows you that we actually, even though psychologically and in terms of our physical health, we are still suffering these setbacks that apparently financially uh, folks are doing better than expected. What does that translate into long term, especially with this inflation? Well, time will tell, but it certainly is uh, a silver lining in some very big clouds. I'm Dominique DePrima, 809-20-1580. That's the number to call if you want to get in on this or any other conversation. This is the place where we're amplifying black and progressive voices around the clock. We are KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. The conversation continues right now now, with Dominique DePrima on First Things First. It continues right now. One thing I wanted to say further about the numbers that we're seeing on on American household wealth. Uh, Interestingly, it's the first time they've ever tracked Asian Americans. They have the highest medium, uh, highest uh, household wealth numbers of any group, interestingly, ethnic uh, group in in the United States. And this is making... um, Economists hopeful that maybe we don't have to fall into recession, which would be a good thing. Um, let's go to Fred calling us from the Crenshaw District. Good morning, Fred. Oh, good morning, Sister Dominic. How you doing, my sister? I'm blessed. What's on your mind, Fred? Oh, yeah. You know, the speakership, you know, I know that uh, Republicans probably don't want to do this, but this is a suggestion why not have Hakeem Jeffries up there? He can work it out with the Democrats and Republicans. Now, we got the election coming up in a few months. The Republicans are going to be blamed for the fact that they don't have no speaker. They asked Kim McCarthy. I was reading the paper there. They said that when they get a speaker, they may have to work with the Democrats. Uh, what is your take on that? I mean, I think it's a great idea. I think Hakeem Jeffries should be speaker, but I do not think it's going to happen, Fred, because there's no Republican that's going to risk their seat, risk their reputation. Um, They're worried about losing votes. They're worried about being able to be bashed by other more conservative Republicans for... Um, for working with Democrats at all. And I think for that reason, it's probably not going to happen. And we'd, we'd need to find like oh, five okay. or six. We need five or six, I think, Republicans that were ready to, because all the Dems voted for Jeffries. So we need five or six um, Republicans to vote for Jeffries. And I just don't see that happening. Yeah, okay, it was just a thought I said. I thought, you know, the economy's looking real good. Did you know that as of January 1st, 
people on Social Security were getting anywhere between 55 to $59 a month. Now, see, if we had a Republican president in there, that would not happen. I know Joe, Joe Biden is kind of old, but people got to remember when Ronald Reagan ran for re-election, shoot, the man was darn near 7, 9, 80 years old. I'm going to say age has nothing to do with it. If you can do the job, go for it. I know you got a lot of calls lined up, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, and I'll try to get on next uh, Thursday at the same time. All right, Fred, I appreciate you. I, by the way, I think it's a great idea. I just don't think it's likely to happen. Uh, and, and certainly, Hakeem Jeffries is more prepared to be speaker than anyone in the Republican Party, except possibly uh, Kevin McCarthy or uh, Boehner, who got, I think, one vote, because they've done the job before. Um, yeah. Molly Bell just texted me. Hey, Molly Bell, I know you're probably going to call me tomorrow. She wanted to remind me to talk about uh, Sidney Powell pleading guilty uh, in the Georgia election case. That is a big, huge deal because it's not good news for the former president, he who shall not be named. They're um, recommending a sentence of six years probation, and she'll be required to testify at future trials and write an apology letter to the citizens of Georgia. Um, that's part of her guilty plea deal. She's admitting her role in the January 2021 breach of the election systems in Georgia, Coffee County, um, which is out in the country there, and um, talking about how she um, accessed and copied information from the county election systems and trying to prove that the election was rigged against Trump. If you remember back then, um, Sidney Powell was the most way out there, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, the most uh, far, far-fetched far of the conspiracy theorists. She was very adamant in her views about the election being stolen, um, and now she is pleading guilty. She's the second person to do so, but certainly the p- closest person to the former president. Um Bill Mosman Scott Hall pleaded guilty last month and said he would testify at future trials. Uh, There are other defendants, 17 of them, including the former president. They have all pleaded not guilty. But now we're up to two, and I would say it's a big deal because um, Sidney Powell was a very close advisor to Donald J. Trump. Let's go to Dwight from the city of Compton. Good morning, Dwight. Good morning, Dominique Hotep. Uh, good morning to all the uh, KBLA listeners out there and the hardworking postal workers out there. Dominique, you are so right. Uh, it appears that black people were doing better during the coronavirus because there was a child tax credit that took so many poor children out of poverty, and they should have just left that program alone. And these Republicans always, always looking out for rich billionaires that bribe them and do vote for everything against poor and working class people. And then there was a hold on student loan payments. Right, so right, right. Poor and working class people shows that America would be doing much better by focusing on poor and working class and let rich and billionaires and millionaires pay a f- small percentage of their wealth to taxes. I'm even concerned about Elon Musk doing all these space uh, flights and having the satellites over Ukraine, turning them on and off when he chooses to, to help 
uh, Russia. If, if uh, that's that's dangerous right there, because say he decides to just take his whole program and and sell it to another country one day. I mean, it's dangerous. NASA should be running our program. The government should be running our program. It, sure, they can get innovation from from private industry too, but if it wasn't for the government, they fought to free the slaves. I mean, if we let wealthy people run everything and hold everything. <laughs> they are totally against everything for poor and working class, and and give everything to rich uh, uh, people. Right now, I'm still kicked off of Facebook uh, because I guess I complain too much about Donald Trump and about the January sixth uh, uh, committee, and I and and uh, whatever something happened on uh, on on uh, one of the stations that uh, proved that we things that we already know. I mean, you know how much more. Uh, facts do you know you know you don't believe your own eyes we saw it happen on january 6th yeah but uh dominic if 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 america would just help poor and working class people reinstate the child tax credit and if the republicans would have just let the the student loan debts be wiped out i mean it was going to benefit mostly poor uh, uh, and working class people even president obama had, had took a long time for him to pay his debt off but uh, Dominique, uh, uh, it's it's so obvious, and I just pray everyone please go to vote uh, uh, vote.gov and register to vote, or either go to uh, Yes We Can uh, Michelle Obama's uh, website. When we I all mean, vote, um, yeah. When we all vote, yeah. When we all vote, yes. And please vote. Don't let these Republicans tell you your vote doesn't count. If it didn't matter, they wouldn't try so hard to take it from us. People wouldn't have died. Fanny Lou uh, Hamer. I mean, uh, the, the, the civil rights workers that got killed in Pennsylvania, uh, Mississippi, uh, uh, you know. And, and it's a good point, Dwight. And, 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 and by the way, if you think that both uh, parties are the same, which I don't agree, but if you do, um, then don't vote the top of the ticket. Don't vote president, but vote everything else. You still need to vote your local. Uh, you still need to vote your in- ballot initiatives. You pick and choose what you exactly. vote on, on your ballot. So don't just you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater when it comes yeah. to the voting process. Yeah. Exactly, Dominique. Our vote does matter. It I does, mean, absolutely. I mean, we're trying to have a democracy, not a... a, a it's a not the only uh, thing that matters, system. but it does matter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Vo- voting is yeah, like the minimum. Like, uh, yeah, the minimum. Get out there and protest. Uh, support Danny Back- Blackwell's uh, uh, Taste of Soul Support uh, uh, the 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 Sentinel mat, uh, newspaper. Support black businesses. If you see a uh, if you go to a store, I mean, I, if you can look for a, a black person to help you, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, just do all we can to help ourselves. Yeah, blackity blackity black. Um, you know, and, and proud of it. By the way, I mean, I don't. You know, you got to cut through the BS. If we don't support each other, who will? Um, if we don't exactly. believe in each other, who will? If we don't invest in each other, no one will. A lot no of great will, points, Dominique. Dwight. A lot of great points, as usual. Thank you, Dominique. And, and one last thing, Dominique. I just want to say it, racism is so obvious every day from, from the Alabama uh, senator holding up all President Biden's uh, top appointees. And many of those top appointees are black, like uh, Charles Brown. Uh, Joint Chiefs of uh, Staff uh, appointment. I mean, it races, and he never served one day in the military. 
that's what's so sad about it. And they got to change that rule. I mean, one person shouldn't be able to, to attack the uh, United States like that. But closing, Dominique, thank you for all the information you give us. Love the best radio station in on the planet, KBLA. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, so President Biden, uh, President Joe Biden um, is giving an Oval Office address. You hear him talk all the time. I get that. But the Oval Office address is kind of a... Um, it's kind of a big deal, right? Uh, they, do, they don't happen all the time. And that is happening. Um, why? Um, we'll, we'll look at that. Uh, we'll talk about what happened, you know, on his trip. Did, did um, President Biden make a difference? Was it worth his trouble traveling to the Middle East? We'll talk about that. We can talk about uh, whatever is on your mind. Are you tracking Joran Vandersloot and the fact that he finally confessed? I mean, I feel like this case has been going on for about 50 years. He finally confessed to killing uh, Natalie Holloway as part of uh, his plea deal that, that happened in 2005. Uh, so many uh, breaking and important news stories that um, that we will get a chance to talk about. Um, when we come forward right now, they're going to Rhonda calling me from the city of Inglewood. Hi, Rhonda. Hi, Dominique. I miss you. Can you hear me good? Because I'm on the earbud. Can you I do me? hear you good. Yes. Okay. Good morning. And okay. So um, I just wanted to say as far as um, what's the sweet little man that called in? I'm sorry. He just called in and he was talking about the voting in the, in the house with the Republicans. Oh, you're talking about Dwight Congress. from Compton? No, the older man. Fred older from man Crenshaw. Okay, Fred. Okay, I wanted to comment on what he was saying, and I'm going to be really quick because this just drives me nuts every day. I talk about it and tweet about whatever. But there are 18 um, Republicans in a deep blue majority landslide one Biden district. So what Biden and his people, his advisors, I don't know what they're thinking. There are 18 of them, and it's not slim leads that he won. There's 18 in the House. There's no way they shouldn't fear, you know, Biden campaign in their district with commercials mm. and ads against them. There are 18, Dominique. We could have a supermajority. They should not have that privilege or that right, but because the Democrats don't go hard, you know, don't don't play, you know, dirty like the Republicans, they think we're weak. They think they're weak. Mm. They never get the messaging out. There are 18 of them. We That's a great point. Right. Hold, hold that thought, Rhonda. I want to see, I, I want to follow that thought through. What you're really saying is we could take the House. It's KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come when we forward, come forward includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. Power. We knew you'd stick around. This is L.A.'s home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back indeed. I started off the hour uh, just talking about the stalemate um, in the U.S. House of Representatives. We don't have a speaker. We're on vote number three coming up. Um, it, do- it doesn't look like a deal is imminent. And Rhonda was saying we've got all these. We've got 18 um Republican lawmakers who won in states where uh, Joe Biden won by a landslide, which means they should be leaning to the moderate side of of Republican. 
So your point is that we should be able to peel off six of those and elect Hakeem Jeffries? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, at least you would think if they had enough respect for their constituents, you know, who voted them in, that they would, you know, with all the chaos, you would think that they would get pressured. They shouldn't wait until election year to start pressuring those, you know, those <laughs> those GOPers and blue districts. Like, it's really, like, at the minimum, five, since 18, that should feel the pain, you know? I like, mean, it's, it's a great happen? point, Rhonda. I just think... When when you talk about Republicans, if they really broke ranks to the point of voting for Hakeem Jeffries, they're going to be primaried for sure, right? But that's okay because it's Biden won districts, and people understand that Biden is, you know, the, the best candidate at this point. I don't think I think moderates and independents, so-called independents and swing voters, are tired of the chaos of the GOP. And I know that they they feel safer. They don't probably want to admit it. They feel safer in the Democratic leadership, <laughs> and they just need to do the right thing. They do. I mean, it's a it's a really important point too in terms of this is what I keep saying that Trump's approval ratings remain high. But but I feel that they will erode because I agree with you, Rhonda, that the independents and normal Republicans uh, are, are going to start getting worn down as more and more of these trials move forward, as we have to process these images and the actual details of the crimes that this guy has committed. I think it will erode his popularity around the edges. And, and that applies to what you're saying. Why couldn't we weave people, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, you know, intellectually strong arm these folks into voting for a Hakeem Jeffries. Um, we only need, I think, five more. We only need five yeah. more votes um, to yeah. to have a Speaker Jeffries, which would be wild. I mean, he still wouldn't be able to get anything done for the most part because uh, Republicans right. do have this slim five vote majority. But at least we'd have a speaker that was competent and experienced. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. The chaos is too much. It's, you know, just a threat to our national security. You know, it's just too much going on. They're just, yeah, they need to, they need to put the pressure on, you know, those, those 18 Republicans, whatever. I don't believe there's moderate Republicans anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean, same. Moderate is relative, right? I mean, it. it right. why can't we have in the House of Representatives the Republican version of a Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema who are Republicans, but, I mean, they, they claim to be Democrats, but they're always siding with yeah. Republicans. We just need about few of those that are Republicans, you know, but side with Democrats, at least on the question of speaker because even you know Jim Jordan is an extremist I mean he he was a backer of that coup so if they somehow got those votes whipped and they managed to elect him he's not going to be able to get anything done either he doesn't want to well yeah that's a good point too he's Mr. Obstruction yeah that's a great point so even if he wanted to he he probably couldn't because the John Bain called him an a legislative terrorist, and that's exactly what he is. He's been there 18 years, never passed anything, never, you know, just there to destroy. 18 years. That's, that's sick. He's crazy. That's crazy. Hmm. This that's 18, crazy. it keeps coming up. 18 Republicans, 18 years. We need, I think, oh, wow. 118 or 117 votes to get Jeffries across the finish line. 
I don't see it happening, Rhonda, but I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you because, number one, Democrats, we do need to learn to play a little bit more hardball. And number two, um, I don't know what that looks like, but certainly there have to be ways to pressure these supposedly normal or mainstream Republicans into um, siding with Democrats for the good of the nation. Add, they love their power. Put ads in their communities. They're bragging on how much Biden raised. He needs to spend that money, really, in those 18 districts because we could have a supermajority in the House if they bow. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. Well, hopefully that's the least that comes out of this nightmare and this, you know, electing the speaker in the in the clown show that is the so-called Freedom Caucus, is that hopefully Republicans will cost themselves the Congress in 24. They will lose. Um, and it drives me crazy that they call them Freedom Caucus. How did they ever get that name? That drives me nuts. I mean, that's that's typical of of Republicans, though. They they like to name things the opposite of what they are in hopes of fooling people, which they sometimes do. I can't remember the exact name, but Proposition 209 was something like the, you know, the uh, civil rights affirmation bill or something when it was really banning affirmative action that that is what Republicans do so well. You know, they'll call it the Patriot Act when it's really about, you know, stripping you of your freedoms as a patriot. I mean, that's what they specialize in. That's their talking point jam. Mm-hmm. True. Democrats are weak and silent, if you ask me, because we need to go harder, especially these days. There's no other time. It's dangerous. Oh. Well, I think we're getting the message. I think, you know, I think... Some Republican, um, some Democrats are getting the message. I believe the younger folks, the progressives, um, and the people, black people, people of color, are are starting to get the message that playing Mister Nice Guy, like what um, Obama did, leaves us with an extreme court instead of a Supreme Court leaves us without a women's right to choose what happens with their own bodies, leaves us with um, the erosion uh, and undermining of voting rights, leaves us with no comprehensive reimagining and reforming of of law enforcement in this country. That Mr. Nice Guy approach that, oh, we're going to, I mean, I hate to say it forever, First Lady, but sometimes we need to go low. (laughs) Not as low as they go, but low enough to fight back and and don't show up, you know, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Um, I know it's violent uh, analogy, but it's one of my favorites because I think sometimes we show up, you know, like Charlie Brown with his football. We show up like do-do-do-do-do, expecting everyone to play fair and do something different this time. And they're going to do what they've always done. For them, by any means necessary, includes unscrupulous, shady means. Lying when the truth will do. That is the brand now of the United States Republican Party. And so I think you're right. We need to put pressure on those members of that party who don't be- who don't believe in the values of, of uh, if you can call them values, of lying, cheating, stealing their way to power, grasping when they see that their numbers are diminishing. So 
the Oval Office speech. Uh, Biden will make it today. Why is he doing it? Oval Office speeches are a big deal. He's only done it one other time in his presidency. They're usually, you know, uh, they're usually pretty serious business. Well, apparently, President Biden is going to ask us, the American people, ask Congress, our representative, to approve $100 billion for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and to beef up the U.S.-Mexico border. $100 billion to fight other people's wars and for security. Now, he's going to make the case, and I'll be listening intently, why those aren't other people's wars, why they, they matter to the United States, why we, the citizens of the United States, who have our own problems, should pay to bolster Israel's Iron Dome, should pay to help Ukraine overcome Russia, should pay to help Taiwan in their quest to, to uh, maintain their independence, should pay to militarize the border, even though we've seen it to be very ineffective as a means of anything, really, as a means of improving our system of immigration, of improving our security. That's what he wants. That's why he's going to the Oval Office, $100 billion with a B. And it just so happens that's the exact amount of money we would need to restore the child tax credit for low-income folks. $100 billion is the cost, meaning... You can draw a direct parallel. We can give the guy $100 billion right now for weapons for Ukraine, weapons for Israel, boosting uh, security at the border, and boosting Taiwan. Or we could spend that $100 billion and get 4 million American children out of poverty for one year. For me, the answer was clear. If, if you're asking me, the American taxpayer, of which I am one, I would like my $100 billion to go to feed American children and get them out of poverty. I do believe we, we need to stand with our allies. I do believe we need to stand up for Ukraine's sovereignty. Overhaul our immigration system. But if I have $100 billion in my family budget and I have to choose between a security system and feeding the kids, I'm going to choose feeding the kids seven days out of a seven-day week. Love to hear your thoughts on this or anything else we are currently talking about. Maybe something we haven't even touched on yet. 800-920-1580. It's KBLA Talk 1580 Unapologetically Progressive. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now, 800-920-1580. It is the perfect time to call me. Um, and uh, I think... I always love to hear what you have to say. The president to give an Oval Office address today, it's a big deal. He'll ask for money for war, but can't feed the poor. <laughs> um, that's how it feels to me. I know we stand. it's important to stand with Ukraine. I feel like we've already spent billions. I don't know what the total is, not having looked at that number today, but it is 
in the tens of billions. I know that our annual expenditure on Israel is um, in the billions and that we consistently support Taiwan and that we've been spending on our border. But Biden wants wartime dollars in the amount of $100 million. I think they're being... They're, they're walking a fine line with Congress because, well, f- first of all, we don't have a speaker, so we'll see what we can get done. But he's walking a fine line because many Republicans are now uh, tired of spending money on Ukraine, which is interesting because they're usually the most hawkish. And then, but yet they want, many of them want to support Israel, whereas you have some progressives that say we've already spent enough bolstering Israel's military and they want to help Ukraine. So, and you know, there's all of these competing interests as far as the people that support Taiwan might not be the people that support boosting the the border. The people that support boosting the border may not be the same ones that support sending a bunch more money to Ukraine. The people that support sending a bunch of money to Ukraine are probably not the same ones that want to, um, spend a whole bunch of money um, supporting Israel. So what the president is doing is by putting all this together, and we'll see if he's able to keep all of this together, is trying to push all of these different factions into supporting this major wartime expenditure. Let's go to Sid Sydney calling us from L.A. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Um, I'm bringing the conversation back uh, down to Crenshaw. Um Coach E has been leading the AARP LA Soul Steppers for some time. So yes. we talked about, about seniors. This last session, there were no less than 50 seniors there exercising um, upstairs, Baldwin Hills, Crenshaw Mall, uh, under the leadership of Coach E. Now, at that same time, he was saying then, that we have three more sessions, and they're going to cut it out. Again, this oh, is a program no. working beautifully for the seniors here in L.A., okay? I'm going to urge people, come up there this coming Tuesday and see for yourself. But can you imagine 50, sometimes even more than that, okay? And before you start out walking, he gives you wonderful exercise tips, okay, healthy living. He tells you to stay in your own lane, you know, do what you can do. But again, they're getting ready to cut it out. Oh, so no, that's <laughs> terrible. Well, yeah. yeah, hold that thought, Sydney. I mean, yeah, as you know, I, I uh, trained with Kochi for many, many years. Um, and so I'm a big supporter of the work that he does. But also, fitness and wellness and self-care so crucial for seniors, especially those of us who are in the black community. Uh, we'll we'll con- let you land and, uh, you know, your call to action this morning, Sydney, when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. Your- Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580. And, uh, yeah, Sydney called me at 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580, and you are welcome to do the same. Um, Sydney called about this group called the Soul Steppers, which was has been for many years sponsored by AARP, led by the 
uh, trainer and a community activist, Coach E, um, who I trained with for many years and was featured on my show, uh, The Front Page, for many years. And how they're getting ready to shut it down after three sessions. Hopefully you guys will show up, as Sydney suggested, and let the AARP know that, you know, you don't want this to shut down. It tracks yeah. with so much information we're getting now. Walking, just the simple act of walking yeah. for exercise. Keeps people mobile and self-sufficient yeah. for many years longer. Um, has a role in preventing Alzheimer's and other dementia-related yeah. diseases. And the Absolutely. list of benefits goes on and on and on. Take it away, Sydney. Okay, again, uh, just be aware, we're talking about in the Crenshaw area, can you imagine seeing some 50 or more seniors walking, okay, just listening, and he's urging you to stay in your lane. In other words, do what you possibly can do. Mm-hmm. One, of the la- one of the ladies from my church responded to an invitation. She came, and she had been walking with her cane. And Coach, she said, you know what, you have to listen to what you're actually telling yourself. And so she told herself she didn't need that cane, and surprisingly, she walked around the mall without that cane. Again, he gives you some life-affirming tips that's really important. And again, we, we, still, we need things like that. Um, again, there are some three sessions left. The next one is this coming Tuesday, 8 a.m., upstairs at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Mall. Okay, come one, come all. Park upstairs, walk up that ramp, and just come see for yourself what a good program this is for seniors. Yeah, it's and it's free, right, Sydney? It's real. It's free. Yeah, I mean, we have a massive number of people aging and retiring in this country right now. The the boomer generation, and losing your mobility. Losing your health, losing your independence is not inevitable. It can be avoided. For, for some people, yeah, maybe they have, you know, a pre-existing condition. But for many of us, the simple act of walking, the act of fellowship and human interaction, the thoughts of self-care and focus on that can make all the difference in the world. And prioritizing physical fitness and health as you get older, becomes more and more important to maintain that wellness and that independence. So certainly I'll, I'll second that, um, that motion, Sydney, for everyone to come out and try to save the Soul Steppers program. Got a special guest, Finding Your Purpose, Funding Your Purpose. That's next on KBLA Talk 1580.